price of impact is sustained focus. The enemy of sustained focus is unending urgency. Leave more time than you think you need for the things that matter. Schedule time around the things that matter for the unexpected to occur. And recognize that that's often where leadership is magnified. In the absence of intentionality, urgency reigns supreme. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. It was a couple weeks ago now that I was at a team training in Alaska with a pretty small but mighty team, and we were focusing on this topic of ownership mentality. And I'll tell you, so often, whenever we go into places, it's not like we're introducing this revolutionary idea that we should act like owners and that ownership isn't a title, it's a mindset. It's more just reinforcing and doubling down on how do we practically have and sustain and cultivate an ownership mentality in ourselves and in others. So we walk through five sections. We walk through owning your motive. We walk through owning your role. We walk through owning your growth. And then we move to owning the solution. That's about creative problem solving. And then owning your influence. And one of the things that I've learned in doing these team trainings around the country with small teams, big teams, everything in between is that it's most effective when I'm not talking at people, but rather I'm working with people. And so, yes, we walk through some of the fundamental principles and practices of what it means to have an ownership mentality. But I learned a long time ago that adult learners are active learners. And so what I'm always focused on is how quickly can I get these people engaged? Because if they're engaged, number one, we're going to be able to take these overarching principles and make it practical to this business. And we can talk about the nuances and the unique pieces and parts of their industry and their work situation and their environment and their team. But then number two, I've also found that, man, the people that I'm working with at this training, the team is way more likely to be bought in if they have the opportunity to wrestle with the content through the lens of proactive, engaging, and critical thinking conversation. And so almost always, I try as fast as possible to get people engaged. And really, that's what happened at this specific team training. And we honed in on a specific topic that was just so fascinating. One of the things that became evident really, really clearly is that if people were going to own their role and own the goals and metrics and KPIs associated with their role was that they were going to have to start creating some boundaries, boundaries around their time, boundaries around the way they relate to each other, because they work in a they work with a smaller team, but the work that they're doing is just massive. I mean, seriously. Seriously, the type of contracts that these guys are bidding on is, I mean, it's, it's anywhere between 500000 to a million dollar contracts. It's just the ramifications of the decisions that each person on the team is making are just, it's just huge. And, and so there's, there's a lot going on all the time within this small team. And one of the guys on the team brought up the fact that it's like, it seems like there's never just any focus throughout the day. It seems like it's just ping-ponging one thing to the next. And then he said the phrase that, that I'll never forget. He said, I just feel like what I need to figure out. I feel like what I need to crack the code of for myself, for me to own my results, for me to own my role, for me to own my time. He said, I feel like what I need to figure out is how to have freedom from urgency. 
<laughs> I love that phrase. And I told him that in the moment. I said, pause. I said, say that again. And he said, I need to figure out how to have freedom from urgency. And I told him this guy's name was Joe. And I said, Joe, well, I'm going to steal that and record a podcast episode on that. You could write a book titled that because freedom from urgency is such a powerful concept. But then I told him I'll give you credit. So Joe, here's your credit. That's your phrase. I'm not going to give you royalties, but I will give you credit. How's that sound? Uh, But I love that phrase, freedom from urgency, because I think so much of the conversations we have around time management and time leadership and effective scheduling and creating your ideal calendar and making sure that you deal well with other people and proper delegation and leadership development. So often what people are looking for, the core and the source of what they're looking for is freedom from urgency. Let me ask you a question as the person, as the impact-driven leader that's listening to this podcast right now. Could it be that one of the things that is holding you back from making sustained progress and forward momentum on your business is the fact that you are consistently and constantly distracted and deviated by the urgent? Now, I know we all believe that leaders focus on the important instead of just getting dragged around by the urgent. We all believe that and we all know that. And just because we believe it and we know it doesn't mean that we do it. And so what I want to focus on today is what does it look like to start taking steps towards having freedom from urgency? But as I was writing this content, I just got so excited about it. And I just got so energized by it because I think it's one of those things that like, as I was writing this, I was like, oh my gosh, this applies to my life. This applies to what I'm doing. This applies to our team trainings. I think we could create an entire program just based on this idea from freedom, from urgency, because I want us to walk through just a couple fundamental things and then we'll walk through the actual principles or what you need to have freedom from urgency. And we're going to break it into two parts. I, I wrote the episode and I was like, this is great. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is too much content for one episode. So we're going to split it into two parts. We're going to record part one of freedom from urgency this week, and then we'll split it into part two here in just a couple weeks. But, but let's jump into, first of all, what is urgency? Well, urgency is a state or situation requiring immediate action. That was the definition that I felt most fit into the context of what we're talking about. So urgency is a state or situation requiring immediate action. Now, it's in that context and it's looking through that lens that I want you to think about two statements. And these statements are really important. We said that you are an impact-driven leader. That means that your leadership is guiding people towards not just profit, although profit is wonderful, not just even service because service is great, but we're looking for something even higher and bigger and greater and grander. We're looking for impact. We want to say that we want to do our work in such a way that it makes an impact on people's lives, on our community and on our team and even on our own family. So so we're impact-driven leaders. Well, here's what I want you to know about impact. The price of impact, it's going to cost you. And the price of impact, one piece of that cost is focus. You, You will not make an impact if you don't have focus because impact is the meaningful effect that you made. And you can't make a meaningful effect if you're not focusing on the same thing day after day after day after day. 
I've heard that story before that if a guy wakes up and and sharpens his axe and goes out and hits a tree five times, right? One, two, three, four, five. And then the next day he wakes up and hits a tree five times. One, two, three, four, five. And then wakes up the next day, hits the tree five times. One, two, three, four, five. Well, if he does that five times every single day without fail, what happens? One day he's going to hit it. One, two, three, four, and the tree will fall. Now, what happens if we change that story a little bit? And every single morning, the same man wakes up, sharpens his axe, and then hits a different tree every single morning. Do you end up with any trees falling? Absolutely not. There's no meaningful effect. There's certainly no impact. What you end up with is a bunch of scarred trees because there was no focus. So when we talk about the price of impact being focused, that's what we're talking about. Are you making a meaningful effect? Are you leaving a lasting impact? Or are you just leaving a bunch of scarred trees? So we said that the price of impact is sustained focus, but here's what I want you to know about sustained focus. The enemy of sustained focus is unending urgency. So we know that we want to make an impact. And because we know what we want, that means we also have a clue as to what we need. We need sustained focus. Now, what's going to keep us from having sustained focus as leaders, as people, as men, as women? What will keep you from having and retaining and maintaining sustained focus is unending urgency. It's this idea that you need to not respond, but react to everything as it occurs. And you have to put your hands on everything and you're constantly moving in different directions and there's constantly things that are on fire and there's constantly things that you have to respond to. And so even when you enter into those leadership conversations or situations or you block out time to work on the business, quote unquote, you can't do it because you're in a frenzy, because you're frantic and because you're running around like your hair's on fire. Well, folks, you are someone that needs freedom from urgency. So we said the price of impact is focus. We said that the enemy of sustained focus is unending urgency. And so therefore, we need to go on this journey. We need to go on this path to finding freedom from urgency. And there's six specific things that I've identified that have helped me create freedom from urgency because I am so unbelievably susceptible to operating and leading from a posture that is frantic and frenzied. And I don't want that for me, but I also don't want this from you. So I've labeled the six things that have helped me in this. And I want to share them with you because I really believe this can be taught and extrapolated in the lives of others. And I think it applies whether you're the leader of a team or whether you're anywhere on the org chart, because the beautiful thing is, is we get to own our role. And really how you spend your time doesn't matter as much as the results that you're getting with your time. And so that's what I want us to focus on is to lift our head above the frenzied, frantic pace of things and say, what are the results that matter? And then how can I structure my time, my calendar, my attention, my mindset, my attitudes, my behaviors, my actions to ensure that I am aligned with the results that actually matter? And in doing so, we will create freedom from urgency. So there's six things that I want you to focus on as a leader in order to experience freedom from urgency. And I'm going to give all six to you here real quick. And then here for part one of this episode, we're going to walk through the first three. So I'm going to give them to you high level, and then we'll jump into the first three. And then the second three will be on part two. 
Number one is margin. It's space around the things that you're doing. Number two is intentionality. We all say we want to be a person of intentionality, but a lot of times we lack a sense of intent. Number three is boundaries, making sure that there are banks to your river as a leader. Number four is systems, making sure that you create scalable processes for doing things in a systemic way and in a repeatable fashion. Number five is humility. That means to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself. And number six is endings because leaders understand the value of ending things proactively. This is going to be so powerful to walk through because I think as we walk through this content, both on this first episode and in the follow-up episode, part two, I think you're going to be able to really ask yourself some questions about Am I experiencing freedom from urgency, number one? And then number two, how can I take this quality, this thing that we're talking about right now, and make it come to life in my leadership, in my role, and in my life? So we said that number one is going to be margin. And here's what I want you to know with regard to this topic of margin. Frenzy is a choice. It was Zach, uh, who's our COO at Path for Growth, that came to me uh, not long ago after he was at a meeting with someone, and he met with this specific individual in one of their office buildings, and he said he talked to multiple people, and everyone he asked, how are they doing, and how, how their work is going, and things like that, everyone just said, oh my gosh, you know, just running around like our hair's on fire or just crazy busy or just, you know, just constantly jumping from one thing to the next or just feel like I can't keep up. And I I think we can all resonate with that because we've definitely seen people that give responses like that. And we've probably been people that give responses like that. And you may be currently giving responses like that. Seriously, are you that person that anytime anyone asks you how you're doing, you just say busy or you just say, oh, just running around with my hair on fire, just going one thing to the next all the time. Here's the deal. Frenzy is a choice. And what I want you to hear is it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to feel like your hair is on fire. Think about how ridiculous a saying that is. If your hair's on fire, you don't just accept the fact that your hair's on fire. You put it out. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't just run around and say, oh, you know, everything's just burning down and I've got a smile on my face and it's just driving me crazy and I don't get to spend any time with my family and I never actually get anything done during the day because everything's on fire, but it's great. No. That person is called a lunatic. And so the way that we start waging war on that mindset of everything's always on fire and because it's always on fire, that's the way it's always going to be is we create margin. What is margin? Well, it's an amount of something that is included to ensure success. So you know this in business terms, we talk about profit margin, right? If you think about a paper, we talk about the margins of paper. It's the things on the edges that leave space to make sure you never run off the page. Well, there should be margin in your calendar as well, because here's the thought process here. The leader who completely fills their day to capacity before it starts is doomed to fail. Because if your day is filled to 100% at the outset and there's no room for anything unexpected to happen, well, you know what's going to happen? The unexpected. And when the unexpected happens, your entire day, not even just part of your day, your entire day is going to be thrown for a loop because you didn't leave any space for the unexpected, for the unanticipated. 
And so I think sometimes we have this false dichotomy within leadership, and I've even read leadership books that kind of paint this picture. And so I just want to tell you that this isn't true. We think that there's this false dichotomy of I I can either be a person of priority or I can be a person of reactivity. And you either have those two choices, and and if you can't fit into those two choices, that there isn't another choice. So you get to decide. You're either going to lay out your priorities and stick to them 100%. You've got to live your ideal week, or you're going to be a person that's constantly just bouncing around and you never get anything done. And and we just don't know. We don't know that there's any different way. And, and what I want you to hear is that there is a third way. <laughs> this is what people aren't telling you. I mean, I suppose you could be a person of priority, and I want you to be a person of priority. A person of reactivity doesn't sound really to me like a leader, but at the same time, there's certain things that you need to react to and you need to be able to respond to, especially if you are in small business today. So here's the third way. I want you to be a person of preparedness, not just a person of priority, not just a person of reactivity. I want you to be a person of preparedness. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like you entering into every single day with a sense of what you are going to accomplish. And I don't want you to get any massive ideas of grandeur like you need to accomplish everything today. I want you to write down what are the top three things that you are going to accomplish today. And those are your three priorities that you're going to focus on. No more, no less. This is what Zach and I do every single morning on our check-in call. We say, hey, this is my word for the day. And you've heard about this if you listen to that Build in Public episode. And if you haven't, we'll put the link to that in the show notes of this episode. But we say, this is my word for the day. And then we say, these are the three priorities that I'm focused on. Now, if I finish those three things and I have time to move on to other things, awesome but I'm going to get those three things done. So you enter the day with a sense of preparedness regarding what is going to be accomplished. And I don't want you to impress anyone with how much you're writing down. I want you to choose three things. But then what I also want you to do is I want you to proactively, instead of reactively, proactively create room for the unexpected to occur. Because here's what leaders know the unexpected will occur. There's no doubt in my mind. The first time I ever did an Ironman triathlon, one of the best pieces of advice that someone gave me right before the race, they said, man, plan like crazy. Have your plan A, have your plan B, have your plan C. Make sure that you are outrageously prepared. Make sure that you're incredibly trained. Make sure that you know what you're going to do. And then go into race day expecting that all of those plans are going to fail and you're gonna have to make it up as you go. (laughs) doesn't that feel a lot like your work day, right? Plan like crazy, create a sense of priority, schedule those priorities and treat them the same way you treat your doctor's appointment. You know, if I miss a doctor's appointment or if I even miss a haircut appointment, they're going to ding me financially, right? They're going to say, oh, well, we're going to charge you because you, you canceled too late, right? But sometimes I treat my schedule and I treat the priorities with my business as though they're not going to ding me. Believe me, when I skip out on my priorities as a leader, I get dinged and I get dinged financially. I get dinged by our team. I don't feel it right now, but you better believe I'll feel it later. 
And so you need to create margins so that number one, your priorities can be accomplished and be reasonable about how you establish them. But then number two, so that you have room for the unexpected. Now, some of us are scheduling so many priorities throughout the day that there's no room for the unexpected so that when the unexpected occurs, we have to react to it. And then we sacrifice our priorities. And because we end up sacrificing our priorities, we end up submitting to the tyranny of the urgent. And then you get in this sinister cycle that just devolves and devolves and devolves and devolves. And you end up going home today and someone asks you, what'd you do today? And you have no answer for them because you have no clue what you actually did. I want you to have margin in your schedule. Leave more time than you think you need for the things that matter. Schedule time around the things that matter for the unexpected to occur and recognize that that's often where leadership is magnified in the unexpected. You have to create some room for it in your schedule, though. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart. Okay, so we said the first thing we're going to focus on is margin because frenzy is a choice. And if you scheduled your day up to 100% capacity before the day even starts, you as a leader are doomed to fail. So what is your practical action out of this section on margin? Well, your practical action is to schedule space to ensure success. I'm going to say it again. We're going to schedule space to ensure success. And here's what I mean by that. I want you to enter into your day with a limited number of priorities and a limited number of things that you want to get done. What we talked about was having three things. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get more done, but you're not trying to get everything done. And I want you to focus on absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to get these three things done, these three priorities accomplished. And then you're going to allow yourself to have enough time to get them done exceptionally well. What are you also going to do is in addition to scheduling time for those priorities for each day, you're going to leave space for the unexpected to occur because that is what it means to be a mature leader because mature leaders know that the unexpected is the one thing that can be expected. And so you are operating not from just a posture of priority where you're only focusing on getting your things done, but you're also not operating from a posture of reactivity where you're only responding to the world going on around you. You're operating as a person of preparedness. You're operating as a person who has scheduled space to ensure success. You're operating as a person who has created margin. So I'm going to say it one more time. Schedule space to ensure success. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to intentionality. Now, I think we can all get behind this idea of intentionality. It's actually a pretty popular thing to say now that I want to be a more intentional person or I want to be a more intentional leader or I want us to be a more intentional business. And I love that. But one of the downsides of the word being used so much now is I think if we're not careful, we can start to equate the word intentional with the word good. And what I want you to hear is that there is so much more profundity and power woven into the word intentional than there is woven into the word good. Because to be an intentional leader means that you are operating with a sense of intent. It means that there is purpose and priority imbued into your actions. And that means something way different than just being good at something. 
I think this ties in directly to Stephen Covey's idea of you should always start with the end in mind. Because if you want to be a more intentional leader, then you have to intend to do something. There is aim and there is direction that is demanded from you. And so it requires you to ask the question, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think that this quality is so important with regard to this topic that we are talking about today, because in the absence of intentionality, urgency reigns supreme. I'm going to tell it to you again, because I think this is so important. This is worth remembering. In the absence of intentionality, urgency reigns supreme. Because think about this for a second. The people I know who are experiencing freedom from urgency are operating with a sense of intentionality. Their intent stands opposed to the urgent because they are leaders who have done the hard work of answering the question, where are we going? And they didn't just answer that question. They understand the value and purpose of why that destination actually deeply matters. And then they've even gone one step further than that. And they've done the outrageously difficult work of getting their team bought into that vision at an emotional level. This is what so often I think it's easy for us to avoid, and when we avoid this, we start focusing on the things that are comfortable and known, and that's not leadership. Because what do leaders do? They take people from here to there, and that demands that you as a leader cast a vision of a future that does not yet exist. And so let's talk a little bit about why we don't do this. Well, it's not a time management issue. It's, it's a courage issue. Because when we have the guts to define success, what are we also defining? Well, we're defining failure. And a lot of times it's easier, or at least we perceive it's easier to not be on the hook for that. And so therefore we just kind of perpetually live in this stage and status of ambiguity that results in mediocrity. And we can't not get distracted because everything represents a distraction because we're not actually on any path towards anything. And so how do you make sure you're not a person that's characterized by ambiguity and mediocrity? Well, you define what there is. And then you get people emotionally invested in there. And how do you get people emotionally invested in there? You get emotionally invested in there. And so this whole idea of intentionality, I think sometimes we think, oh, it's just this logical willpower thing. And I, I certainly agree that there's a part of it that's associated with that. But I think more often than not, it's actually a heart and emotional thing because Brene Brown says you cannot have vision without vulnerability. And so we say we want to be intentional, but we're not willing to be vulnerable. And I would argue you can't be intentional unless you're willing to be vulnerable. So what are we actually going to do? Well, for the period of time that we are focused on, we're going to describe what is the end that we are pursuing. Because when we decide and define and get bought into the end that we are pursuing, what does that do? It adds value to the moment that we're in right now. And the reason why it adds value to the moment that we're in right now is because it injects direction and trajectory into the moment that we're in right now. It gives it focus. 
And so truly, when we talk about this topic of intentionality, like, yeah, I mean, I suppose we could kind of cast this idea of like having a 10 year vision for where you're going and that can be powerful. But what I want you to have the guts to do is just describe a future that doesn't yet exist and go just beyond the edge of what makes you uncomfortable. So maybe that's three to five years out. Maybe that's one year out. Maybe you can't think beyond six months from now. That's where I was when I started this business. But I want you to think about what that place could be and then allow that vision for where the team, for where the business, for where your life is going to matriculate into this year, this month, this quarter, this moment, the meetings that you're in. And so how do we make sure that intentionality doesn't just become this overarching broad thing, but becomes this practical day-to-day thing? Well, anytime you enter into any project, any meeting, any conversation that you want to be intentional, there's three questions I would recommend you ask. I would recommend you ask, what time do we need to be done? Because again, time creates focus. So if we're talking about a goal, what time do we want to be done by? Is it three years? Is it one year? Is it this month? Is it this week? But maybe let's talk about a meeting. A lot of times people don't set in times for their meeting and then they complain that their meeting lacks focus. The reason why the meeting lacks focus is because people don't have an end time. And if you don't establish an end time, there's Parkinson's law that says that work expands to fill the time allotted. And if you don't allot any amount of specific time, work will always expand. So what time do we want to be done? Here's the second question. What needs to be accomplished? And I don't want you to talk about everything that could be accomplished. I want you to talk about the specific things that should be accomplished in the time allotted and list them in a bullet point format. So maybe it's for the year. Maybe it's for the meeting that you're in right now. What time do we want to be done? What needs to be accomplished by that time? And here's the third one. And this is one that people often miss. And this is so helpful if especially you're struggling with keeping your meetings intentional and keeping your team focused on what we're working on. Ask this question at the beginning of a meeting. What will get in our way and how do we make sure we address that? What would it look like for you to ask that question at the beginning of the meeting instead of just being frustrated in the middle of the meeting that it's not being intentional and not being focused? What will get in our way and how do we address that? And maybe people will say, well, what would get in our way is if we start getting distracted and focusing on these other things. Okay, how do we make sure we we, we don't do that? Well, we just all agree not to talk about that. Okay, let's all agree. Can everyone put up their right hand and we're agree? We're not going to talk about that thing that we often get distracted by. Okay, great. What's going to get in our way? Well, our cell phones often get in our way from being intentional. Okay, how about we pass around a basket? Everyone put your cell phone in the basket. Sound good? Right. It's taking proactive steps to ensure intentionality so that you reach your goal by the time allotted. So again, the three questions, and this can apply to a year. It can also apply to the moment that you're in right now. What time do I need to be done? What needs to be accomplished by that time? And what will get in our way? And how do we make sure we address that on the front end instead of being frustrated on the back end? What if you answered those three questions ahead of time? What if you answered those three questions as you went into the work that you are doing? And you can do that with a team, but you can also do that personally. The result of answering those three questions, although very simple, the result of answering those three questions will be a sense of intentionality. You will be a person, you will be a leader, you will be a business, 
that is going somewhere. And if you truly believe that that somewhere is a place that's worth going, you know what you will be unwilling to do? You will be unwilling to get distracted by the things that are urgent but not important. This is why intentionality is one of the ingredients necessary to experience freedom from urgency. Okay, so we talked about margin. We talked about intentionality. Now let's talk about the final piece, which is boundaries. Okay, and with regard to this topic of boundaries, I want you to get two images in your head. The first image I want you to get in your head is a rushing river. I'm sure you've seen a rushing river, and I'm going to put an emphasis on that word rushing, right? Like I'm talking white water, just massive amounts of water flowing in a direction, and it's just churning. And like, let's think about this. A river like that created the Grand Canyon. Mind-blowing. Over the course of thousands and thousands and thousands of years, water was running in the same direction every single day, every single moment. And it moved with such power and such direction that we end up with this thing that people literally come from all over the world to see. It's the power of a rushing river. And then I want you to compare that image to a puddle. (laughs) Is there any power to a puddle? No, there's no power to a puddle. It just sits there. It gets stagnant. It grows algae. There's dead things in it. Nothing survives. In fact, when people drink the water of a puddle, what happens? They get sick because the water has been sitting there for too long and there are things that are dead and toxic inside. Think about those two images, and I think you know where I'm going here. Do you want to be a river, a rushing river, or do you want to be a sitting, toxic, dead, algae-filled puddle? And it's really sad to say, but we all run the risk as leaders of starting as a river and turning into a puddle. But I want you to think about that image of a rushing river for a second. What makes a river powerful? And what certainly makes it more powerful than a puddle? Its banks. A river is made powerful by its banks. And these banks represent legitimate boundaries that the river doesn't go past, probably because it represents higher ground. And as a result, what does the river have? It has focus, it has direction, and it has flow. And those banks are boundaries. And what I want you to know is that you as a leader, if you want to experience freedom from urgency, that's on you. Freedom is a decision and freedom is a learned skill. And part of creating that sense of freedom from urgency, it's establishing clear and consistent boundaries. This is so important because a leader without boundaries is ineffective at best and dangerous at worst. I'm going to say it again. A leader without boundaries is ineffective at best and dangerous at worst. There was never a puddle that created the Grand Canyon. It never happened. And so if we're talking about being impact-driven, we can say that all day long. If you're going to be impact-driven, well, you're going to have to have boundaries because a puddle doesn't create an impact 
right? But then also, if you're going to actually be someone that gives life to others sustainably over an extended period of time, if you're going to be someone who has a net positive influence and impact on the lives of other people, you have to have boundaries. Because when you, for an extended period of time, spread yourself too thin, you know what happens? You either burn out so you're no longer able to serve, or you start making horrible decisions. We said it's ineffective at best, it's dangerous at worst. So here's three things that a person or a leader with boundaries knows. Number one, good things end. Listen, most of you that I'm talking to right now are people people. (laughs) And I know that because I'm a people person. And sometimes I can get so ingratiated in a conversation or in a meeting or in a day that I never want it to end. And so I just keep it going and I just keep it going. And in doing so, I run over other appointments, I run over other commitments, and I run into other things that really matter for me to practice healthy growth as a leader. I end up staying up too late, or I end up going into a meeting and missing a meeting, or I end up not attending to my personal health because I overextend the things that are good because I don't want them to end. And mature leaders know, healthy leaders know that good things end, and that's okay. Sometimes a conversation can be so good, and at 59 minutes, we have to say, man, I'm just loving this. I want so bad for us to do this again. And at the, unfortunately, I've got another thing that I've got to get to, so I've got to end it right now. Maybe it gets to the end of a night and we're having dinner with friends or with people that we absolutely love, and we know that we've got a big day and a big week and a big month ahead and that life is extremely demanding right now, and so we say, hey, this dinner has been awesome. Unfortunately, I just, I have to get sleep in this season, and so I've got to end this right now. Mature and healthy leaders know that good things end. What do they also know? They know that leaders have limits. The prideful leader is not willing to reckon with the fact that they are a limited, finite human being. Don't be a prideful leader. You have limitations. And just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something. So recognize that you can't do it all. And you were never created to do it all. And that's okay because it will prevent you and keep you from stepping into things that you have no business stepping into. It will also prevent you and keep you from taking responsibility for things that you shouldn't be taking responsibility for. Listen, you can't control other people. This may be a shocker to some of you, but what can you control? You can control your actions and your behaviors. You can't control other people's actions and behaviors. And leaders that don't have boundaries start getting involved in controlling things they should have never tried to control in the first place. So leaders have limits. The third thing you need to know, every yes is also a no. The most centered and stable leaders I know are the ones who have a keen awareness of the fact that anytime they commit to something, anytime they say yes to something, they're also saying no to something else. And I know this for a fact because I work with impact-driven leaders every day on one-on-one calls and in our growth groups and on office hours. We can all reckon with the fact that a lot of times we say yes to the moment at the expense of the priority. And I know 
every every single one of you that's listening right now, there are things that you value. There are things that you prioritize logically, right? I prioritize my family. I prioritize my husband or wife. I prioritize my own personal growth. I prioritize my spiritual health. Yes, we say that, but do we live that? Because recognize that sometimes we are saying yes to things that represents us saying no to all those things we said we value and prioritize. So what do people with boundaries know? They know that good things end. They know that leaders have limits, and they know that every yes is also a no. Now, it's very obvious right now, we could do an entire episode on this topic of boundaries and what it means to be a rushing river instead of a sitting, toxic, stagnant puddle. But here's what I want us to focus on just to make this actionable because I know it has been kind of heavy. Three things that if you struggle with boundaries, you can start doing. And these are three action items that I'll share them with you, but man, I wrote them for myself. So the first thing a person who struggles with boundaries needs to focus on doing is avoid making emotional commitments. Have you ever gotten so engaged, so engrossed, so immersed, so enthralled by a conversation that you end up making a commitment on the back of that conversation that you should have never signed up for? Maybe it's an ongoing meeting. Maybe it's a certain amount of money you're going to give to a certain cause. Maybe it's an idea that you're going to be devoting your time to a specific project. Maybe you're committing other people on your team's time to a specific project. And then you get about an hour away from the meeting and your emotions wind down. You realize, what on earth have I done? I had someone ask me this question once. Have your emotions ever written a check that your actions couldn't cash? Oh, that. That is, ooh, that's a that's a tough question to reckon with. Avoid making those commitments. Now, I I believe commitment is part of leadership, and so what I'm not telling you is avoid making commitments. I'm saying avoid making emotional commitments. So if you find yourself really excited and enthralled and passionate and worked up, allow yourself the time to get into a proper mental state so that you don't do something you're going to regret because that is not having effective boundaries. So it can look like just telling someone, hey, I really appreciate that offer. I'm, I'm really worked up right now. I want to take some time to actually sit back and think about it or talk to my spouse or talk to my team about it, and I'll get back to you after I've thought about it. That's what mature and healthy growth looks like. Number two, evaluate your calendar ahead of time. This is a practice that I didn't start intentionally. It was actually my assistant, Lane, who helped me start doing this. On a weekly basis, as part of our meeting, we do a calendar review, and we typically just go through, and I talk through the calendar about two to three weeks ahead. And it's in that process that as we're looking through it together, and it really is helpful to do it together, that I say something to the effect oftentimes of, oh, let's make sure we block off some time here. Or, oh, if I'm if I've got that podcast recording coming up, I need to make sure I'm studying for that and getting ready for that. Or, oh, I've got a bunch of uh, customer calls this week. Let's make sure we're blocking off some time on the front end just to be relaxed and ready and prepared for that week. Or, oh, I want to make sure I'm spending some time with people that really matter. So let's schedule some appointments here. And it's all of those things that would not happen unless we looked at it ahead of time. And I make sure that I'm practicing having healthy boundaries as we look through that calendar. And sometimes I just tell her, okay, for that week, that looks pretty full to me and we should not schedule any more, right? 
That's what it looks like to have boundaries with your time and to be someone that reckons with your own sense of limitation. So we said we're going to avoid emotional commitments. We're going to evaluate the calendar ahead of time, and then we're going to set reasonable expectations. This is kind of related to the action item associated with commitment, but it's a little bit different. Sometimes we set self-imposed deadlines that crush us. Right. And and we have this idea that like, oh, we, we've got this mound of work and we need to get this mound of work done. And there's other people that are counting on us. And so we just tell people, oh, I'll get it done by next week. And in reality, it would probably take about three weeks to do. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Right. Set a reasonable amount of time. You don't need to impress anyone. You don't need to prove anything. Step back and say, what is a reasonable amount of time that it will take to accomplish this bulk of work or this project or this commitment that I'm committed to? What's the reasonable amount of time? And then give them that. Because what's more impressive, someone that sets a reasonable amount of time and actually hits it or someone that sets an unreasonable amount of time and can't make it? But so often we want to impress people or we feel like we need to prove something and therefore we set unreasonable deadlines for the work that needs to be accomplished. So once more, three things a person who struggles with boundaries should do. Avoid making emotional commitments, evaluate your calendar ahead of time, and set reasonable expectations. I told you there was a lot of content in this freedom from urgency subject, and this was just part one. So make sure that you hit subscribe if you want to get part two. It will be coming out here in just a couple of weeks. What did we focus on today? We focused on creating margin because frenzy is a choice. We focused on being a person that has a sense of intentionality because in the absence of intentionality, urgency reigns supreme. And then finally, we said that you want to be a leader who is practicing healthy growth and therefore you need to have boundaries because boundaries are the price of impact. And you don't want to be a stagnant puddle. You want to be a rushing river. Y'all, I truly believe that if we take this stuff, we start to internalize this stuff and we commit to practicing this stuff, one of the things we will experience as a result is freedom from urgency. Hey, real quick before we go, like we said, subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get part two of this series. And also, if you're not part of our email list, we'd love to have you on there. We just believe that most email isn't worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. So our team set out to create one that is. We call it Worth It Wednesday. And every Wednesday, we send out a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. So many of you in our podcast audience have signed up for this. We're so grateful to have you in that tribe. The fact that you share these emails with people and forward them. It's just so encouraging to us because we get feedback back all the time about how people are taking this and putting it into action, which that's really what we're in this for. So we're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.